0: Welcome to another episode of BHP Book Club. I am your host, Kelly Morgan. Today I'm speaking with author Denise Turney. She is a writer of mystery, romance, and literary novels. She's written titles called Love Pour Over Me, Portia, Love Has Many Faces, Spirals, Gata's Glory, Gregory the Lionhearted, Long Walk Up, Rosetta the Talent Show Queen, and Awaken Blessings of Inner Love. She has been an author for more than 40 years. She shares her journey with us. She talks about all her books. She is a wonderful guest and I loved having her on the show. Welcome to our book club, our newest member, author, Denise Turney. Denise, thank you for being the newest member to the book club and being on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing fabulous on this Thursday. I'm so excited that you are here uh, speaking with me today about your books. You are a author who's written many books and I think it's wonderful when when people like are are authors and are writing several books. So kudos to you and I wanna talk about them all. But before we go there, I want to find out about your writing journey and how did that that thought become a reality for you
1: thank you for the question it's an interesting question for me my past was uh, uh, to me a little different i know i also do a podcast and i when i ask authors in my, but i'm going to a book event book festival and i'm sitting next to an author at a table how did you get started how did you get started in the and the, w- w- as a book writer, mine was a little different. Some people have told me that I, I dare. Somebody dared them. To, I dare you to write a novel. And that's how they got started. So I was a voracious reader. And I tell people, you ever watched the movie Matilda? I, the little girl who had so many books. I, I mean, I used to read 30 to 55 books a week. And it's still shocking to me that I read that many books. My, the librarian at the school would say to me, "Do you do you really read all those books every week?" I said, "Yeah. Why Why would I check the sweetie books out if I'm not gonna read them every single week?" So I was just a voracious reader. If you asked me, "What do you want for your birthday? Books? What do you want for Christmas? Books?" My family thought it was odd, but they also made sure that I had I had books. Well, when I was 10 years ago, we moved. I, I was born in and raised my early years in Dayton, Ohio, and then my dad moved us to Knoxville, Tennessee. And the library, the schools, I, I want to set the scene a little bit. Schools, uh, bookstores, television was very different when I came up than it is now. There were not as many African-American children books. I mean, it was, I don't even know if I saw any until I read, um, it was Mildred Taylor's Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. That was the first young adult children's like middle school books. With black people that I ever heard of, it. and I was I was maybe 10 or 12 years old. Now you see them books everywhere. So I want to set that scene before I say this. that were very, very few, very few of us on TV, radio, any of that. So my sister comes home with this book, this thin book, and I'm, I'm remember, I'm the voracious book reader. She's a school teacher today, but she comes in and says, Look what I found in the library. And it's a book of poetry by Gw- Gwendolyn Brooks. And I'm wondering, how come I didn't find this book? I mean, it was just maybe five books by a black author in the whole school. So um, I sit down and my sister says, I'm going back outside to play. I don't think she ever read the book. And I read this book of poetry. Now I've read so many books to this point. I'm 10 years old. And this book had an effect on me unlike any other book I had read. And I don't know why to this day, but I felt like I went in almost a time capsule. it, I cannot tell you the emotion it had on me, and certain characters, I was like, oh, that's like Aunt Ruby, or that one's like this one, or that one, it was just, the characters just leaked all of the pages. I put the book down, it's a little thin book again, a poetry, the Brooks, put the book on my bed, and this weird feeling came over me, and I just paused, and then I went, oh, I'm a writer. <laughs> And that is, that is, and I started writing and I started writing on my first novel when I was 12. And I think I finished it when I was 18. That was the beginning. That's my journey to becoming
0: a writer. And that is a wonderful journey. Thank you so much. So let's fast forward from 12 to your first novel to where you are today and all the books that you've written. Which one do you want to talk about first? I can talk first. I, I know
1: this is, we're, we're, we're doing like a, a, the podcast, but Porsche is my very first. Uh, Porsche is my very first. It came out in August of 1998. So I'll start with Porsche. And I started writing Porsche when I was still in the Navy. And I had a, when I was going in, they did the exam for me at the Met. That's when you get a full physical before they tell you if you can go into the military or not. They had found a lump in my breast, And so they brought in another senior doctor. They checked it out and they said, you're okay. You can go into the military. Well, after I was either in boot camp getting ready to come back out to go through A training and then into regular into the Navy regularly, they found another one. And so I was starting to get scared because the, the younger you are, the more aggressive it tends to be when it shows up. So I, I'm thinking. I go. I get out. They told me go see another doctor as soon as you get to your first duty station. You get out of all your boot camp, all your training, and so I did. And I'm like scared to death. So they send me to. I'm going to all these different specialists, and in my mind, I'm I'm thinking I'm a goner. I'm not going to be here to see 2023. I'm not. I'm not going to see. I'm not going to see it. So I sat down and wrote letters la- to my family saying, you know, dear grandma, I love you. Thank you so the for your support. And dear, uh, Pat, thank you, I love you so much. And I'm starting to cry as I'm writing these letters because I'm thinking I'm not gonna be here. And I wanted them to find them when I, you know, so they could see just how much I love them. And so um, years later, that was in the 1980s. So years later, I go back and I revisit those letters and I can't remember exactly why I did. And it became Porsche. I took took the letters, and in here, she writes some letters to her family as well. The Thanksgiving scene is like Thanksgiving with my family at my grandparents, when everybody would come over for Thanksgiving. And she is a successful defense attorney living in Chicago, Illinois. She's coming out of a bad relationship, and she, you know, they always tell you, you're in a bad relationship maybe your parents fall or whatever her mother is a marva collins type school teacher her father was active in a civil rights movement her parents have a very loving relationship so it's a mystery why would Portia pick a guy who would not treat her right what would make her do that and maybe we don't have answers to all of that but she stayed in that relationship for way way too long she finally comes to her senses and she's single and she's and she's gonna go and she's very successful career She's very successful so it, it, this is a mystery why she was in this relationship so she goes to an annual christmas party that's put on by the newspaper in chicago and she meets a wonderful wonderful man there so her life is really really on track now she's got this career going she's got this wonderful man who loves her and she loves him and she she has a very supportive family and so she goes to get a physical, and that's when Dr. Kernan she finds out she has breast cancer. So it's like, are you kidding me? Everything is just starting to pick up and go, and now I got to deal with this. I'm just starting to get things together, and so this deals with her journey of dealing with breast cancer. Portia, when I would go to book events, people uh, would come up and I'd ask, "Oh, what's that book about?" Tell them about Portia. They back away, and I said, "It's not contagious. You're not gonna catch it just by reading the book." Almost like they were scared. Right. But people who people who did read that to it's not a depressing book. This is a very empowering, inspirational book. And so what ha- happened when it first came out in 98, people would give it to their friends. They would give it to people who they knew were going through breast cancer. Here, you got to read this book. Here, you got to read this book. And people would come up to me all the time and said, you know, I gave it to a friend. I read it when I would be out on the road. My One of my most touching stories is a woman who told me she gave it to her mother. Her mother had like, breast cancer and she had given up. She said, I'm done, I'm, I'm checking out. And she said she read Portia and decided to live. That's like the most powerful feedback I've been given. But this is, this is, this is a family picture of my family, but Portia is, she is an amazing woman. She's a very, very powerful woman. It's just her story dealing with breast cancer.
0: So when did the book come out?
1: August 98. So how did you publish it? I, self-pub- I self-published Portia. I studied the industry. So when I initially started going out with my works, I, I tried to do anthologies. and I, You got to keep in mind, I was very young. So I, I went out through anthologies, tried to go through literary agents. They told you you can't get a publishing deal back then unless you went through a literary agent. They take 10 to 15% of it and boom, 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 boom. Well, they won a lot of books for African Americans out and it really didn't kick off good so Terry McMillan's Waiting to a Tale took off and she said she promoted that herself with postcards. She was sending postcards out because she had published several books maybe three before Waiting to a Tale took off but anyway so you didn't I'm telling you you did not see these uh, numbers that black books that you see today so I said you know what I'm not waiting anymore I'm going to self-publish and it was me and a handful of people Tracy Price Thompson, she came out I think it was, it was Black Coffee Grant Quintos Miller came out, she's a Philly with Satin Doll and then you had Zane started coming out with her Erotica novels and they took off there were a lot of and then there was, uh, he wasn't self-published he recently passed, Eric Jerome Dickey was the sweetest, sweetest guy Eric Jerome Dickey was out, Carl Weber came out, He's on. he's got a show on BET now, all of us we knew each other And we all came out together. We would go to, uh, I went to an event with Karen and I think Carl was there. We'd see each other at the Harlem Book Fair years ago. So that, a lot of us, a lot of people started out self-publishing, of course, air And then their careers just, a lot of them just took off. And then I've seen a lot of people I started with, they just, they didn't have a success with the early books so they, they dropped out. But I studied the book industry. And one thing I learned, if I could, self-publish get a brand build up build a brand through the website this was way before social media came out do direct mail postcards etc radio interviews i used to do radio tv and i could get my name out there i actually would would be able to make more money self-publishing because you get to keep a larger right. percentage of the sales cause the distributors taking like 60 65% off the cut. Then if you have a literary agent, they want 10 15%. Then your publishers, by the time it gets to you, you might get 2 to 3%. So <laughs> Let me let me study it and learn how to do it myself and I am
0: so glad I went down that path. Nice. So what was the next book? What's the next book you want to talk about?
1: Oh, the next book uh, was what well, the next book was Love has many faces this one you know what and i found that i was kind of writing a pattern i i start out i there's a, there's a little small book that i start with and i didn't know this is so recently then i do this big thick book like three four hundred pages and a love has many faces is a murder mystery it's a celebrity murder mystery there's a a-list actress you, you think of the top movies that are top grossing movies out and she is really, really dynamo. She can pull them sell in, selling those, getting those people in those theaters. But she's bold. She is just in your face. And she has ticked off the powers that be in Hollywood. And they are no longer giving her these big roads. So she is, I mean, down financially. and But she's not going to change. So she puts the ad in the newspaper out because she is financially in hard times. And an up and coming playwright, Robin, answers the ad. And Robin and Leslie is the actress. They are nothing alike. They are like East, West. They are so different. You wouldn't believe these two women were roommates, but they build this wonderful bridge of friendship. But Leslie is so, Robin has issues with her mother. And Leslie, her father is, he's influential, but he's shady. And he's got some shady stuff in his past. And something that he did comes back to haunt them. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a it's a murder mystery, but it's also the celebrity Hollywood and this wonderful friendship that they build.
0: Okay, all right.
1: Yeah,
0: all right, what's so the next
1: is, one. That that's and then then I wrote Spiral, and Spiral is I wrote a blog recently about can you talk to I don't want to scare nobody, but can you talk to like the dead people who you think of a transition and that this when that got so much attention i was shocked and not not talk to the dead like in a scary way but if you ever have somebody close to you and i have had past, you're like if i could just find a way to communicate with this person they could leave me a sign or something so in spiral is set in the 1940s right around the time the country is it just enthralled in world war ii And there's this very powerful African-American family in Shelby County, which is near Memphis, Tennessee. And Memphis is close to Mississippi. It's not that far from Arkansas. It's down there in the South. So uh, there's a a Tammy Tilson, she is the matriarch. And I tell people, you think of a woman strong, like a Harriet Tubman, she is, that's Tammy. And they own a grocery store when, when black folks, you have to almost be the history book to go back in time when there's just just things that didn't happen. Right. It just it just didn't happen. And so they own a successful grocery store, and their store is like, like what the church used to be, and some churches still are, the hub of the community. Anything going on, everybody came to Tilson's. I mean, you didn't <laughs> come just to the shop, but to find out what's going on, because if. That's where you could see your friends. You knew they all shopped there. You could see your friends there. Y'all could chat, catch up while you're doing your grocery shopping. Well, there's something in Tammy's past, not gonna uh, give it away dealing with her family that connects to other things that happen in Spiral. But one of Tammy's sons falls in love with a a girl. She's, She's a wonderful young woman, but it's her family. Tammy is just, she's picking up this vibe. Do, leave, the, leave this woman alone leave her alone cause something in her family and Tammy's mother had told her be very careful who you let get on that, our family tree cause once, once, once something happens and it's in the family you're not gonna be able to get it out you're not gonna be able to get it out and so something that the girls from the girls father when I mean, it all connects but Tammy has this is a murder mystery Tammy has a granddaughter and she has a, she has a grandson and a granddaughter, and the more. Her granddaughter is young; she's like ten, and the grandson, he's he's around the same age as well. They know stuff that they shouldn't know, and you might hear the term fear s e r, or somebody mm-hmm. say the person has vision. They would, they just know things. You don't have to say it. You don't have to. And the, the son is an artist, and he draws pictures of this stuff that there's no way he should know this stuff. It cost him. His his art it cost him big time because it's like there's no way they're like I don't want to get a story away but it's like no there's no way he could not have known or whatever but it's the girl it, it's, she is strong and she she is it, she's scared about it she doesn't understand it but she knows things you shouldn't know and so if can they solve can they solve the mystery Who kids with this gift? Can they solve the mystery of what's going on in this town? So that's, that's, that spiral. And then I wrote, I'm trying to, read, then I wrote Long Walk Up. I have to tell you how this book came to me. Long Walk Up came to me. Here I go with my rhythm of the, the size of the books. And I don't know why I did this, but Long Walk Up is like, kind of like full, spiral portion of small books. This book came to me. I was driving to, up uh, to, Uh, from where I used to live in Pennsylvania up through Princeton, New Jersey. I used to work in that area. And all of a sudden I'm almost to work and this came up through me. And I tell people my inner ears, not these ears, my inner self, it came up through me to write a story about a little girl who had an extremely hard childhood but who would go on to have this marvelous, glorious, unimaginably good future. And so this became, and I was told to keep this book to 40 to 50 pages. It's really almost 100 pages because unless somebody read it. Uh, and she said in Africa, I let a woman who was in a doctorate program at Philadelphia read it. She goes, oh, you got to give her a romantic relationship. So, oh, it ended up doubling the size of the book. But little Mulliken is six years old and she is orphaned after her. Her mother passes, her father's passed. They live in a, what I call a community. Some people call it like, uh, it's, it's not really a tribe or a village, it's more of a community and they, and they move around. So they go to places where the, uh, uh, the the vegetation is flourishing, the animals are coming through. And then when it dries up, they generally, they have a, a good, uh, strong leader. They'll generally move. Well, for some reason, he's not moving. He's just thinking that we stay here long enough, things will come back, the seasons, it'll be planted. Her mother passes. And the man has his eye on her because he thinks there's something different about her anyway. And he doesn't think she's grieving hard enough. He doesn't think she's grieving the way she ought to. And she knows he's watching her. And he just doesn't think she's like the other kids. So the next morning after her mother passes, she just takes off up this hill. Not knowing where it's going, nothing. Just like some of us in our own lives, you don't know which way you're headed. You just take off and make a choice and she, she she gets to the top of the hill and then she's regretting her choice and she's also starting to really question the creator like why would you let all this happen to me and somehow she falls and she falls down a hill and she comes into like a market where she hears all these different languages and voices anybody's ever been to africa i haven't been to africa but africa is such a rich place right. it's so culturally diverse rich the languages everything and somebody does help her out but her mother who passed her mother's spirit helps to guide her and when and when she she goes into one area where this woman takes her in and her mother lets her know you can't stay here i know you want to you want the comfort but you have to keep going this little girl becomes africa's first woman president okay so she's she's orphan at six she becomes africa's first woman president uh, and then, let's see, then I wrote um, Love Pull Over Me. Here goes another six with my, I don't know <laughs> why I do this, but Love Pull Over Me. And this one is oh, almost 400 pages, 300, over 360 pages. This book, and I can't remember how this story came to me. This is a powerful love story. I'm not a black romantic at, by any stretch. No way. I don't believe in them fairy tales. I just don't. But Raymond is a track and field a standout. He's on He could go to the Olympics. And I mean, he's like a young Usain Bolt type. He's on his way. And this is set in the 1980s. He's living in Dayton. His mother laughing when he was two. But his father has untreated alcoholism. Having alcoholism, period, would be bad enough, but untreated is doubly, doubly worse. But he stayed to raise Raymond, so that's a sign he cared, even though he has this brokenness in him. But him and Raymond have this very complicated relationship. Raymond gets a scholarship and he goes to school, I don't want to say where, but he meets his soulmate, Brenda, while he's at college. But Raymond's got a lot of brokenness. He's got a lot to deal with. And in my novels, I try to be very realistic. And uh, somebody read read this, and they're like, "I'm done with it. I'm done with it. You're making him go through too much." <laughs> uh, but they finished it. But they finished it. It has a wonderful, wonderful ending. It, it is uh, uh, this one that is so many twists and turns in this story, and there's a hidden murder mystery in this story as well. Something that you love your murder finish.
0: mysteries, don't you? And I
1: didn't even intend to. You know, I never intended to do that. And Raymond. On his first night at college, he witnesses something. And he makes, he meets these four, they're these guys, they're friends for life. One of them goes to, onto the NFL, one of them from Italy, they're all from all different parts. And if it, it, the reader has to decide if one of his friends, what, was one of his friends involved in the murder and how involved, he doesn't meet these guys till later. And what would you do if, it, if you thought your friend was involved? You didn't you didn't witness your friend doing nothing, but if as it all starts to unravel, what would you do? And then the, and then the, love, the wonderful love story between him and Brenda. Um, and then I wrote, uh, Awaken Awakened Blessings of Inner Love. This is nonfiction. I have uh, I, and I'm working on another nonfiction kind of similar to this. And the one I'm working on now is like Tremendous Success. And I forget, that's the working title and, and empowerment. And it's a it's a 52-week book, things you can do every week. And if you do them, it, you at the end of the year, your life will be changed. And there's no way it couldn't be. No way. So this one, Awaken Blessings of Inner Love, is taking, I wrote this book so that, so that the reader could do little small things that maybe just take 30 seconds a day or maybe no more than five minutes a day. Because people say, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. But if you make some some daily practices to your day, a day you, we, none of us knows what's coming in our life. I swear, we don't know the next phone call, the next X, the next thing we're gonna see, the next thing. We just don't know. And so if you do these daily techniques, they will make you, you'll always be strong enough to deal with whatever's coming your way. So this I is like what that. this book is about. Yeah, and I highly encourage... I, you know what? When I was younger, when you're young, you think you're invincible, right? Mm-hmm. You think you know it. When yeah, you're you,
0: young, you think you think you know everything? Yes, you do. And you don't.
1: Why is it? Why
0: is that? <laughs> yeah, I find it
1: amazing. I talk to so many people and they say they were the same way. You think you know everything and you think you're invincible. You think you can... You can do anything. Okay, stupid it is. You're going to you can just get on through it, get over it, and you think you know everything. And that's why I think a lot of parents and grandparents are so angry with their kids. <laughs> you you can't talk to them and you know they are headed in the wrong path.
0: But How they have to that? you can't but sometimes you just have to let them go through it because they have to learn that lesson. I've learned that. You can tell people, don't do this because this is going to happen, but they honestly don't understand until they go through it. So that's why I think all young people, I could think of myself when I was young and I thought I knew everything. You couldn't tell me nothing, Denise. I knew it all. But all the things that I've learned in making those mistakes has brought me to where I am right now. So I don't look at them as mistakes. I look at them all as opportunities. And I learned a lot, just bumping my head. Right. And just, you know, trying to figure it out. So I think all young people, I think it's necessary so that you really understand what life is all about. And you go through those hard knocks. All your characters have come from places where they've had to learn from their mistakes and go through things and have situations. And they've always come out better on the other side
1: that's true you know what when i look back though not to i don't want to talk about my last book but when i look back at my life i do wish i had listened more because i've heard people say i've heard people say <laughs> you know you can save yourself uh, and if yes. anybody's when they listen to this podcast hopefully it'll bless somebody don't learn everything the hard way don't learn everything the hard way listen to people who are older than you who love you you know they love you they have your best interests at
0: heart they're trying to save you some hardship. Yes. 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 <laughs> I, I wish I would have listened to. Oh a, my goodness. Woo, I, you sound boy. You sound. I wish I and I tell that to my children. I wish you would just listen, right? I can yes. save you a lot. I can see things you cannot, right? Because I know. But you know, sometimes let's get that last book in there before we run okay. out of time. <laughs> Here's the last one, Rosetta, the talent show queen.
1: She's 10 years old in the fifth grade, the best grade at Harriet Tubman's school. And, <laughs> and me, she said they go from the elementary to middle school. Uh, Rosetta is funky, she's witty. She's got so much confidence. She's the baby in the family though. Her sister and her, are, they bump heads a lot. And she has a brother, she's she's cool with her brother. And, they, they ha- and it's her mother, her father. Her mother's an artist, her father's a marketing manager at a top firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, and then they had the, the pet dog. And her best, best, best friend forever, Paulette and her, they always come <laughs> up with great ideas. Paulette's about, I Paulette's a year older uh, than, than Rosetta, but she has an arch nemesis in school, and this girl is straight A. She's the smartest girl in school. Rosetta thinks the teacher likes her the best, and, and Rosetta, as much as she hates to admit it, she is in, like, constantly competing with her arch nemesis who is so bright. There's no way Rosetta can <laughs> do her academically. And so they, they're coming up with the fifth grade, the talent show for the whole school. And so Rosetta comes with this idea, let's all go ask our parents, our grandparents, your great grandparents, we all gonna showcase our family history. And it's a very, very diverse school. So they learn about different countries. As the kids, they learn about uh. uh Puerto Rico. They learn about di- just different countries when at the talent show. So, but Rosetta and her arch nemesis, she is got to stop Rosetta. She cannot let Rosetta shine at this talent show. And so, what happens at the talent show? I <laughs> mean, and then they, and, a, and then stop leading. This leading up to the talent show. I'm working on book two, and in book two, Rosetta's gonna be involved in like a, a citywide skateboarding contest, and of course everything can go right there but this this first book in the series has to do with the rosetta miss fifth grade at the school talent show
0: denise you have written so many books i've enjoyed listening to all of them they all sound wonderful if somebody wants to check you out get any of your books where should they go oh please 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 stop by
1: visit me at chista.com c-h-i-s T e l l You can get, you can read free excerpts. You can subscribe for free to the Book Lover's Haven. You can listen to off the off the shelf podcasts. Just come and check us out. And you can also order a copy of a book, or again, just read the free excerpts. Whatever you want to do, you can visit as often as you
0: like at Chisso, C h i s t e l l dot com. Thank you so much for being the newest member to the book club. I suspect that when you get Rosetta's second book out, I want you to come back and share it with us, please. <laughs> Cause that sounds like that's going to be a wonderful series. I appreciate you so much, Denise. Thank you so oh, thank much. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of BHP Book Club. I have been your host, Kelly Morgan. I just wrapped up with author Denise Turney as we talked about all of her books, her writing journey. You can go to her website at chisdale.com. C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com, where you can see all of her books, learn about her and connect with her. She is a wonderful author and I can't wait for her to come back and share more of her wonderful books with us. If you are an author and you want to promote your book on the podcast and become a member of our ever-growing book club, it's simple. Just go to my website, brightheadedpublishing.com, go to the contact section, drop me a line, we'll connect. And before you know it, you'll be on the podcast promoting your book, sharing your journey and your insights with all of us. I cannot wait to meet you. I want to thank everyone who listens to the podcast. I truly couldn't do it without you. I appreciate you so much. Next week, another author, another writing story, more books. But until then, keep writing.